Awesome, sing with us. seated. Amen. What a wonderful time of fellowship and communion. It's not an accident that we took communion. We're going to talk about communion this morning, talk about fellowship. Last week I introduced uh, uh, the beginning of our new series. It's called Life-Changing Apps. We're going to be studying the book of First John and looking at the principles and the truths that John identifies uh, in his first letter and, and look at those truths and see how they apply to our lives. And that's where we get the idea of life-changing apps. And so I want you to, uh, if you were here last week, you know what, what I'm going to ask you to do. Take out your cell phones, your smartphones. If you have a smartphone, take it out. If it's a flip phone, you'd be embarrassed. Don't take it out, okay? Uh, if you've got a smartphone, take it out. Nah, I held on to flip phone. We talked about it last week as long as I could. But take it out. I want you, if you have a smartphone with apps, uh, because I want you to look at it in here in just a minute. But if you have a Facebook app, I want you to click on Facebook. If you didn't do this when you came in, click on Facebook and open it up. You won't get permission from a pastor anywhere else to look at Facebook in the middle of a service. So turn it on, uh, look at Facebook, and in the top right-hand corner it says check in. And I want you to click the check in box. Uh, some of you didn't have the guts to do this last week, and so I'm going to ask you to do it again. Uh, check in, and on that check in, it should show you First Baptist Church of Blowing Rock, and that's our Facebook page. See, what, we're at, what I'm asking you to do is to be able to use Facebook for a positive influence. Try to use social media, Twitter, Instagram, for something positive instead of just spreading rumors and gossip and uh, what you're eating and the best recipe. Why not just tell people about what Jesus is doing in our life and uh, see how much difference it makes. You'll be shocked. Uh, how if a hundred people from this service and the next service, we have 300 people here worshiping this morning, just a third of us checked in and each of us had 300 friends. That's close to 30,000 people that could see your check-in this morning at First Baptist Blowing Rock. You don't know who's looking for a church. You don't know who's struggling this morning. And last week, I challenged you to write something in there in the comment before you checked in. Uh, I'm going to ask you to do that again. Be bold. Some of you step up to the plate. Write in there, uh, communing or having communion with the, the light of the world or uh, just learning about Jesus or grace, mercy, power, love, uh, anything you want, write something in there. You'd be amazed how the Holy Spirit leads you what to write in there and post it and then see how many comments you get, how many people that are out there that might have needed that verse this morning. See, I told you last week when you have apps and when you're done with that, turn Facebook off, no more. Uh, I don't want you checking your stuff. I, I saw a 
video clip this week that worked perfect, and I told Leanne and, and uh, uh, Sid that it had been perfect worship song. It was uh, from an African-American church, and they had written their own course. It was called Keep Your Business Off Facebook, and uh, it was a course, and I thought, man, that is great, and one of the courses of it said, uh, your Facebook post makes you sound like a saint. I saw you Saturday night, and I know that you ain't, so I, I thought, man, that talk about truth, talk about truth. Uh, had you look at, at Facebook applications, and I asked you last week, if you had so many Facebook applications, which ones would you get rid of? Which ones uh, do you have on there that you're really not using? And we talked last week how that's like many Christians. You know, we've got all of these applications in this book that God has given us to make our lives easier, to make our lives better, to make our lives more abundant. And, and like those Facebook apps, we just have them. We write them down, we tweet them, we send them out to our friends, we make notes in the margins of our Bibles, but we never apply them. We never use them. We never take them and make them a part of our lives. So I asked you, which ones would you be willing to get rid of? Well, this morning, I want you to think in a different term. Go the other way. If you only could keep five apps... Which app would you keep on your phone? Which app do you think is indispensable that you have? Uh, as I went through there and began to look, and I told you my memory was running down, so I had to get rid of some, and I started thinking, which ones are the ones that uh, I use more than any others? And, and I was surprised by the one that I use the most because I never expected. I just put it on there because everybody puts it on there. Uh, but I found out that I'm using it more than all the others, and it's the flashlight app. Uh, does anybody have the flashlight app on your phone? It's amazing. Uh, you don't think you'll need it until you're standing at the door and you can't get the keys in the door, right? Or, or until you're getting out of the car and you're trying to find something in the back seat or until you're trying to get down a path and you think, I could use a flashlight. You think, I've got a flashlight right here. Uh, when you're trying to sneak in, your spouse is asleep and you're trying to find something in the bedroom and not wake everybody up, the flashlight app. And, and, and I start thinking, you know, the reason probably the flashlight app is so important to me is because when I'm honest, uh, I still am kind of scared of the dark. Uh, I, don't, I don't like the dark, and I think most of us in this room would say that we don't like the dark. We're scared of the dark. I mean, I, I had a nightlight when I was a kid. Anybody have nightlights when you were a kid? How many of us still have nightlights? Don't act tough. You turn on a light. You don't like it. We don't call it nightlights anymore. It's the bathroom light now, right? So we have bright uh, alarm clocks. Our alarm clocks have a bright light on them. When we were kids, we didn't have bright alarm clocks. So you had to plug something in or have some kind of nightlight because that light brings comfort. How about when you're home alone and no one else is home with you? You go through the house and turn on a couple of extra lights. Why? Because we have this fear of the dark. Matter of fact, sociologists, statisticians will tell you that almost 44% of all mankind, all people, are scared of the dark. And you think about that, and for some that may sound like not a whole lot. For others, uh, that sounds like a lot of people. Almost half of the people in this room have a fear of the dark. But the more I studied it and the more I looked, I realized that the Bible says something even more interesting. Matter of fact, Jesus says that more people are afraid of the light than they are of the dark. Now, I want you to think about that and let it set in. You, you don't believe me? You don't believe that Jesus said that more people are afraid of the light? Listen to what he says in John chapter 3. He says, this is my verdict. For light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. And everyone who does evil hates or fears the light and will not come into the light or will not walk into the light for fear that his deeds and her deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth walks in the light so that they may be seen plainly that all they do is done through God. Fear of the light. 
See, last week I shared with you that 1 John is nothing more than a workbook for the gospel of John. See, John takes 1 John when he wrote it and boils down all the principles, all the truths that he reveals in the gospel of John, Jesus' teaching, and he makes application for them. And he makes it clear and plain and direct. And those of you that have been reading 1 John with me, you understand that. He doesn't mix words. He doesn't mince words. He, He doesn't try to cover it over. He doesn't make it try to sound religious. And that's probably why I like it. I get accused of that a lot. People say, well, you just don't sound like a preacher. Well, I don't want to sound like a preacher. I want to sound the way Christ sounded. I don't want to use religious terms that no one understands to make people think that I'm smart. I I could do that. I want you to be able to understand the truth of the Word of God and apply it to your life. And that's where John was at this point in his life. He's an old man. He's in Ephesus. And and false doctrines being spread. And he says, wait a minute. There is some truth and some principles in this book from the Word of our Savior that can change your life. And you're not using it. You're not applying it. So he writes this letter, which I believe has some clear applications for you and I. And each week, we're going to look at some of those applications. But the one we're going to look at this morning is probably the most important of all the applications he gives. It's the one he starts out the book with. It's an application that all the other applications hinge on. They all depend on. And if you can't grasp this application, if you don't have this app... You'll never understand the rest of them. So if you've got a Bible, 1 John chapter 1, it's on the blue sheet for those of you that didn't bring your Bible. And I encourage you to bring your Bible so you can follow along and mark it up. And one day I may not give you the scripture there and you'll have to guess. So 1 John chapter 1, we're going to go back in a little bit where we ended last week in verse 3. He says, for we proclaim to you what have seen and heard. John was an eyewitness. He was right there. So that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. That word fellowship, same word communion that I just used earlier when we were taking the Lord's Supper. For we write this to make our joy complete. How is your joy complete? Fellowship with Jesus, fellowship with God. It's that idea of fellowship that I want you to grab a hold of for just a minute. For this is the message we have heard from him. Who is him? Jesus. He said, this is what Jesus told me. He's quoting from John. And I declare to you, for God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. That's a double negative in the Greek. That means absolutely no possible way that there can be darkness in any peripheral of God. For if we claim to have fellowship with him, this is one you want to mark, If we claim, if we act like, if we uh, pretend to have fellowship with him and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie. There's that bluntness. And we do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. Now there's two truths there, two words that he uses, two uh, principles that come together to form one application that I want you to grab a hold of today. Uh, It's that principle of fellowship or communion and the principle of walking in the light. Now, John likes to compare and contrast, and you're going to see all throughout his book here, through his letter, he is comparing and contrasting. And here he's going to take light and darkness and compare the two. And what we know about light compared to what we know about our walk with Jesus Christ. And he's going to take these two principles and mold them together. So I want you to think about them for just a minute. Now, this first idea of fellowship, before you can understand that, I need you to understand what happens uh, in our walk with Jesus Christ. Uh, term I'm going to use, and there's a lot of terms that people use, I'm going to use the difference between relationship and fellowship. Relationship and fellowship. When you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, 
When you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you entered into a relationship with God. Apart from Christ, man cannot have relationship with God. We are separated because of sin. But because of the sacrifice that Christ gave us that we talked about, we now can have a relationship to Christ. How do you have a relationship? You receive him. You accept him. You deny your old self. And when you do that, you start into a relationship. Now, once you enter into a relationship with God, nothing can take that relationship away. Nothing can change that relationship. You are there. You are secure. I told you this before. Once you're in a relationship to God, there is nothing you can do to make God love you more, nothing you can do to make God love you less. That should be freeing for some of you. Some of you that are out there trying to please God, to make God happy, to try to earn your way in God's kingdom. You can't. All you can do is receive and accept. And once you are a part of the family, once you are a child of God, you cannot stop being a child of God. That's the beautiful picture in the prodigal son. He never stopped being a son. He never stopped being a part of the family. Even when he was in the far country, even when he was in the pig trough, even when he was running from God, he was still a part of the family. That is the relationship. And we call that theologically justification justification it means when God saved you he took you from this realm and placed you spiritually in the spiritual realm in God's presence you have been justified how are we justified not of our works but through Jesus Christ now what gets us now we're we're justified what helps us to learn more about what that means is this idea of fellowship it's this idea of communion You see, fellowship in John's terminology is our walk with God now that we have a relationship. A great word to use for it is intimacy. Now, when you say intimacy, people naturally think of something sexual, but intimacy has nothing to do with sexuality. Intimacy just simply means laid bare, open completely. The greatest picture of intimacy we have in the Bible is Adam and Eve before sin entered in. Because you see, before sin entered in, Adam and Eve had nothing to hide. We always think of the nakedness as being a part of it, but some think of the nakedness as being also symbolic and spiritual. You see, Adam and Eve hid nothing from one another. They were an open book to one another, and they were an open book to God. And they were intimate. But you see, what happens when sin enters into our life, all of a sudden we start hiding things, and sin starts coming in, and it robs us of our intimacy. And so what happens is when God justifies us, when we become a part of his kingdom, he wants us to become more intimate in our walk with him and our fellowship with him. And as we become more intimate, we learn more about him and more about ourselves. And that's the principle that he's trying to get to. But also what, what he wants us to understand is that intimacy that we have with God also rolls over into the intimacy we have with those around us. You see, if we're not intimate, if we're not walking with the Lord, then that's going to affect every fellowship, every commune, community that we have. Our spouse, our children, our parents, our church members, our co-workers, all of it revolves around this community, this fellowship. That's what I'm saying. So that's how our fellowship is made complete. How is your fellowship made complete? When you walk in the light. Now, he goes through understanding and explaining what this intimacy is. And if if justification is the theological term for a relationship, then sanctification is the theological term for uh, communing with God, for fellowshipping with God. It is our walk with God. And so the question comes up for all of us is, are you walking with the Lord today? 
Not do you have a relationship. There may be some here that don't have a relationship with God. You, you, you've been religious, and, but you've never given your heart over to him. You, you do things and say things trying to make everything right, but you've never submitted, dying to self, giving your life to him. Uh, you don't have a relationship. But for most in this room, you have a relationship. The question is, do you have fellowship? Do you have intimacy with God? Are you walking in the light is the way John phrases it. Because if you're not, it's going to affect every relationship you have around you. It's going to affect your marriage. Because the Bible says a marriage is based on your relationship to God. And if your relationship to God is out, no intimacy in God's walk, then your relationship to your spouse will be out. You'll start putting walls and sin and barriers. Your relationship to your children, your relationship to your parents, relationship to your coworkers, all of those things revolve around this walking in the Lord. Now, to further describe it, John says this fellowship is walking in the light. Now, what does that mean, walking in the light? Well, in biblical terms, light and darkness are always used to describe God and Satan. He tells us clearly here that God is light and in him there is no darkness. And so God is not just a light. He is the light. He is the source of all light. And darkness, which darkness by its definition just means the absence of light. See, darkness is where there is no light. Darkness is always used to describe sin. It's always used to describe Satan. And so what he says is in comparing darkness to light is he says your fellowship with God should be walking in the light as opposed to walking in darkness. Now, Jesus is the one who introduced this, and John was referencing back to it there at the beginning of verse 5. Listen to what he says. Jesus in John chapter 8, For I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have light and have life. Jesus says this in John 12, 35, For the man who walks in the dark does not know where he's going. Put your trust in the light so that you may become sons of light. You see, what he's saying is, is that when we trust Jesus Christ and we have fellowship and we have intimacy, we are walking in the light. And, and you can literally think of it as a light. I've given this before when I was a student pastor and had a spotlight shining at me this way. And as you walk in the light, you see, before I became a believer, I was over here in darkness. And I didn't even know I was in darkness. I didn't even know what the darkness was. But I was lost and I had no purpose and, and I was full of fear. But when I received Christ, he picked me out of that darkness and put me in in this path of light. Imagine a beam of light here. And my goal as a follower of Jesus Christ is to now walk in this light and to stay in this light. Because you see, when I walk in this light, everything I do shines that light off of me. I become a reflection. I become a mirror. And I also become more like him because as I walk in the light, I start seeing things in my life that don't need to be there. See, when you're over here in the dark and you've got something on your face, you may not see it because you're clouded in the dark. But the more you get into the light, what happens? All of those things become more obvious. The closer you get to the light, the brighter. Why do you think they have the brightest lights in the bathrooms? Which I don't always understand. I mean, I see things in the bathroom that I don't want to see, right? Nobody walks around with a spotlight and go looking at you like that, right? But we, that's how we judge ourselves because we go into the bathroom and you have this huge spotlight. And you, all of a sudden you see things that you didn't see in the mirror that was in your bedroom when you walked by. You're like, where did those things come from? They came because you got closer to the light. And as we walk in the light closer to Jesus Christ, uh, there may be things that we didn't see back here. Things that we didn't recognize. Things that we didn't even know was wrong. That as we get closer, all of a sudden we start re- realizing, I need to get rid of that. I need to get that out of my life. I need to clean that up. 
John calls that walking in the light. Now, let me just ask you, what are some things, characteristics of light? Light versus darkness. We, we just take the characteristics of light and, and think about them in our own spiritual life. What happens with light? I want you to think for just a minute. Light versus darkness. Light always brings comfort. Darkness always brings doubt, always brings fear. I, I don't know anybody that gets comfort from the dark. Darkness is the place where fears arise. It's where worry and doubt come. Light always seems to bring this sense of comfort, right? When, when the morning comes, when you hadn't slept all night and you've been in the dark and all of a sudden you see that sun coming up, there's a sense of hope. When, when you're in the darkness and if you've ever been lost out in the woods and all of a sudden you see a light at night, it brings comfort. You see, the Bible teaches that Jesus brings that same comfort. But when we walk in the darkness, we're full of worry, full of doubt, because we don't, we don't have any comfort. Light also brings direction. Light opens our eyes to where we should go. Light gives us purpose, whereas just the opposite, darkness brings confusion. How many times have you been in the dark thinking you were doing something and you, you didn't know where you were going? Even if you've been somewhere, if you've been there in the light, you turn the light off, all of a sudden uh, you go through. I mean, isn't that how we all stub our toes? You ever stubbed your toe in the dark? It's the worst, most painful thing that there ever is. Stub your little toe or your big toe on something that I think they stick out more at night. I think they somehow grow a little at the end. And you walk around your bed and you, and you nail your toe on there and you walk, what happened? I thought I knew this room because darkness brings confusion. But light always gives us direction. We can see where we're going in the light. Light brings warmth. By its very nature, it brings warmth and security. Light makes us feel good. Whereas darkness is described emptiness, coldness. Light always brings truth where darkness operates in deception. You ever seen things at night? Imagine your mind plays tricks on you in your bedroom. Look around, you see something over in the darkness, and you think, what is that? And all of a sudden, you start, your mind runs crazy. That looks like a bear, right? Don't look at me like you're spiritual. It may not be a bear, a ghost, a dog. So you look over and you think, now I know when I went to bed, there wasn't a bear in the corner. And you, and you roll over, and so you start trying to sleep, and you think, man, that could be a bear. You roll back over and you look at it. And so what do you end up doing? I don't care if it's a bear. Or what, what do you, you go and you turn the light on. Why? Because light always reveals what's truth. But in darkness, there's all kinds of confusion. Spiritually, it's the same way. Light always shares truth. It always shines truth. But in darkness, we see things. We're deceived. We see things that, that we think are something that they're not. That's how sin operates. Sin convinces us that it's okay. Sin convinces us that there's nothing wrong with it. Because it's in darkness. But the moment you step into the light, all of a sudden you know that's not the case. See, light versus darkness. Light energizes. Darkness drains. Light brings hope. That's why the psalmist says, the sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. The new morning brings me hope of your everlasting love. You see, in a practical sense, I don't have to tell you where you're walking. I don't have to say you're walking in lightness and you're walking in darkness. Think about those terms I just gave you. Which one describes you? If someone was to judge your spirit, your intimacy, your worship, your mood, your Christian walk, what terms would describe it? Would things like comfort, direction, warmth, security, energy? Or would it be fear, worry, doubt, confusion, 
deception drained. See, that, that tells you where you're walking. You see, while the Bible's clear that we can't lose our relationship, John is real clear that we can lose our fellowship. While our relationship is based on God's security, our fellowship is based on our actions. What did John say? He said, if you claim to be walking in the light, you claim to have intimacy, you claim to have fellowship, and yet you walk into the darkness, you're a liar. You're walking in the darkness. You see, how can we begin to walk in the darkness when we allow sin to come into our life and to take root? He's not talking about a one-time sin. He's, all of us fail. He's not talking about a slip-up. And, and I do like this. I, I didn't point this out earlier. He does say walking in the light. He doesn't say sitting in the light. He doesn't say resting in the light. He doesn't say laying in the light. He says walking in the light, which means all of us would be making progression. Told you this before, that it's not about perfection. It's about direction. And as we're walking in the light, what happens is all of a sudden we get tired and decide to make our own choices. And we drift over here and we get a little darkness on us. And we get that little darkness on us, we can decide, do I either step back into the light so that God can see this darkness and reveal to me how ugly it is I need to get out of my life, or I can stick the rest of me over here in darkness and then I'll be okay. No one will know how ugly this sin is. And before you know it, we drift over here. And it's not intentional. Most of us aren't prodigal children that thumb our nose at God and say, I'm going to run from you, God. I don't want to walk in light. It just happens gradually. A lie turns into a rationalization, turns into an action. And before you know it, we're sitting over here in the dark. And we say, I, I'm walking in the light. I come to church, I read my Bible, I, I pray. Of course, it doesn't seem like it used to be. Those songs don't mean anything to me anymore. And, and the church is boring now where it used to be exciting. And, and we start blaming everybody else for all of those things. And, and we start saying, it must be the preacher's fault. He's not exciting anymore. And that music just doesn't do it for me. And so-and-so was sitting beside me and they were coughing or talking or I don't even like the smell of them. And it, I couldn't worship, right? But I'm walking in the light. You know what John says? In his plain, clear warning, you're a liar. The problem in the preacher or the music or the church or the place that you're worshiping or the person sitting beside you, he said, you are deceiving yourself. The problem is you. You walked out of the light. He said, in the moment you walked out of the light, your intimacy with God became hindered. And you see, the problem for some of us is we don't just walk in the darkness. Some of us have made a camp there, a tent. We're living there. Now, here's the warning to you, John's warning. Let me read it again. For if we claim to have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live in the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. See, what John subtly is saying is maybe the reason your marriage is falling apart is because your relationship to God is not where it needs to be. It's not that your husband's selfish or you're mean or you've got issues. The issue is that you came together in the light and now you're walking in the darkness. And you're deceiving yourself by looking for answers everywhere else. And John says, your fellowship, your intimacy is not where it needs to be. Get back in the light.
Maybe your relationship to your children is not because they're just rebellious teenagers or, or a college student that's trying to do it their own way. Maybe it's because somewhere in your relationship to them, as you walked out of the light with your intimacy with God, you begin to do the same thing in that relationship. You begin to put up barriers. You begin to put up walls. You begin to make excuses. John says your relationships, your communion, your fellowship will never be right. It'll never be whole. It'll never be intimate if your relationship to God's not right. See, before you can fix your marriage, you need to fix you and God. Before you can fix your family, you need to fix you and God. Before you fix your coworkers or your Sunday school friends, you need to fix you and God. And here's the second warning. See, John says, he, he does it in the opposite direction. He says, when we walk in fellowship, the blood of Jesus purifies us because see what john is saying is not that we're not forgiven what john is saying is that when we walk in darkness we stop seeing the sin and it just pulls us down because see when you turn out the lights you can't see all those mistakes that you have now hopefully you've got christian friends that'll speak truth to you but most of us don't even do that anymore because we're embarrassed or we don't want someone not to like us. We see a friend making bad choices. We see friends uh, doing stupid things in their relationships, making bad decisions. And instead of loving them enough to speak truth to them, we stop talking to them. We, we just let them do it. And we start drifting further and further into darkness before we even recognize that what we're doing is getting further into the darkness. See, I, I want you to hear me. John 10, 10, Jesus says, I come that you might have life. Now, if Jesus would have just ended it right there, we would have recognized that what Jesus was saying is the reason I've come is to give you eternal life. He'd be talking about his gracious gift of life, that relationship. But he didn't end it there. He said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly, life more full. You see, it's when he talks about that life more abundantly that he starts talking about the fellowship, the experience. You see, the Christian life isn't just supposed to be like an app on your phone. It's not just supposed to be something we write in the tabs of our Bible or make notes or post on Facebook. The Christian life is to be lived and experienced grace to the fullest, forgiveness and love and mercy and power and purpose. It's all there. All the things that we need, Galatians tells us. But you have to walk it. Jesus says, life abundantly. What does uh, John say? He says, joy. When is your joy complete? When you walk in the light. And as you walk in the light, all of those around you will be affected. So here's the question. Are you experiencing the light this morning? Comfort, peace, purpose, direction, hope. Could your life be described, your relationships be described by fear and doubt and worry and mistrust, confusion? John says, I got an app for that. Walk in the light. Let's pray.
Every head bowed, every eye closed. I, I just want you to remember, you can't lose your relationship with God. But you can lose your fellowship. And some of you this morning, you've walked away. You've drifted away. You've wandered into the darkness through decisions or through actions or maybe peer pressure or something you felt forced to do and now you're in the darkness and you've, you've just started living there. And it's affecting everything. It's affecting your attitude and your marriage and your school and your friends and your work. Jesus says this morning, turn around. Turn around. Step into the light. It's your choice. Some of you here this morning have, have never turned into the light in the first place. You, you feel empty. You feel like there's no purpose and no peace. This morning, Jesus wants to offer light for your darkness. Turn to him. But for most of us, this is just a call to examine ourselves. Where are you? Is there intimacy? Nothing hidden between you and God. He wants an intimate relationship, but He's not going to make you. He's not going to force you. You have to ask, and you have to seek, and you have to work at it. But it starts with your heart decision this morning to turn to Him. Walk in the light. Joy, power, love. We trust Him. Father, speak to us this morning. Guide and direct us. Open our hearts. Open our minds. Father, let us stop deceiving ourselves into thinking everything's okay, thinking that if we just keep going like this, it's going to get better. Father, that's insanity, doing the same thing, uh, hoping for a different result. Father, let us this morning commit to a new beginning. Intimacy with you. Seeking you and everything that you have. Being open and honest. Father, I know when that happens, then marriages will be strengthened and put back together. Relationships that have been torn apart will come back. Those children that have turned their backs on their parents and parents who've walked away from their kids will be reconciled. That's the power of abundant life. Some need to experience it. Let us do business with you in your name. Amen. We're going to worship and Altars will be open if you want to pray. If you need to pray, I'll be here at the front. If you're looking for a church home, God continues to bring new people here. We're not perfect, but we are a fellowship of people that are going to love each other and seek God. If you're called to be here, God wants you here, I'd love to share with you how you can do that and introduce you to the church. But for most of us, let's just let God examine ourselves. For some of you, it may have been a long time since you opened your heart to the flashlight of God. Let him search every corner, every area. And then can you say, after he searched, it is well. You do business with God as God speaks to us. Would you stand as we worship? When things like a river attend of my way. When sorrows like sea below 